0: Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for the living Christ, his coming, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, being our high priest today, coming in glory in the future. We thank you too for the written word. As we look at a portion of it this morning, we want to understand it. And live in light of it for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. At 9 p.m. February 7th, 2016. Pastor Kabar finished leading a prayer service. At the Savior's church in the heart of India's slum district. He then left his congregation of 40 believers and boarded a bus to travel home to his wife and their two daughters, just as he had done every other Sunday evening. This time, however, four men followed the 37-year-old pastor home. The men, all members of a young military group, stopped the bus three miles from the pastor's house, dragged him off the bus, and kidnapped him. They took him to an old building where they planned to force him to deny Jesus on video The men surrounded a pastor, brutally kicking and punching him for 15 minutes. One of them repeatedly hit him in the head with the handle of a knife. And with each blow, the pastor pleaded with God to spare his life. He pleaded with God as he spared his life that he would serve him more faithfully. As the pastor lay on the floor bleeding... In pain, one of his attackers started to record the video camera of his smartphone. Another man ordered the pastor to say that he would no longer follow Jesus and that he would return to Hinduism and worship its idols again. I'm going to serve the Lord only. Kabar replied, I'm going to worship Him and not your idols. I will serve only Jesus. The men again beat the pastor, demanded that he denied Christ. But again, he refused. And in time, they let him go. Why would a man in India refuse to denounce Christ? Why would he suffer torture, continue to serve Christ in spite of what he went through. We don't face that today in our country. Whether we ever will or not, I don't know. But we find that here's a man who understood Christ, and he was committed to Christ. And as we look at First Peter, we find that Peter, along with other writers in the New Testament. Emphasize over and over again the foundation, who Christ is, who we are in Christ, who believers are in Christ, and then living and responding accordingly. In Christ, we're God's elect, strangers, but we experience the sanctifying work of the Spirit, whether it be Peter's hearers, or we today, or the pastor in India. And that's for the purpose of obedience to Christ. Being sprinkled by the blood of Christ. Experiencing God's grace and peace. We have a new birth in Christ. Into a living hope. We have a new birth into an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade away. Shielded by God's power. Receiving the salvation of our souls. Experiencing what the prophets predicted let's take our Bibles and turn to 1st Peter chapter 1 what we just mentioned via powerpoint is what the believer has in Christ, what Peter's hearers had what the pastor in India that I mentioned possessed 1st Peter chapter 1, how should we respond how did Peter want his hearers to respond Chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Peter explains the foundation, what believers have in Christ. He encourages, you know, having the mind prepared for action, being self-controlled, and so on. And then in verse 17, he says, Set your hope, or rather, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as reverent strangers. And then he explains that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And notice he says that in verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Sin and the need for redemption did not take The Lord by surprise. He knew Adam and Eve would sin. He knew Christ would be necessary. This was before the creation of the world, before Adam and Eve. The text clearly says he was chosen before the creation of the world. Chosen before means God made the decision. Jesus Christ was passive in the sense that God made the choice. Jesus responded in the sense that he came to this earth. The same Greek word is used in Romans 8 and 29, where the meaning is to determine beforehand, to be previously acquainted with. Before the creation of the world, God was created with. Created with. Acquainted with. Sorry. He was acquainted with. Christ, Christ's coming, and he's going to go to the cross. Just as in Romans 8, he was acquainted with believers before they became believers. The Lord was acquainted with Christ's sacrifice as a lamb without blemish or defect before the created creation. Christ's coming was not a knee-jerk reaction by God. Adam and Eve and what happened there and what happened since did not take God by surprise. He was chosen before the creation of the world. But, and when you have the word but, there's a contrast. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world and eternity passed. But, Christ was revealed and the idea revealed here is different than the word used the same word is used in in our English translation in verse 5 and in verse 7 but it means to manifest Christ was manifested Christ was set in clear light Christ appeared in true character The tense is passive, which means God did the work of revealing Christ. And as you read through the Gospels, we find that Christ is clearly presented when he came to this earth. In Mark 15, we find the centurion as Jesus died, he said, surely this was the son of God. In John 1, 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. In John 6, in verse 51, Jesus says, I'm the living water. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. In John 15, he says, I'm the vine. What happened? Jesus is revealed and Peter says, in these last times. And again, last times is different than the word used in verse 5. The idea of last times is talking about an era, a period of time when Christ came to this earth. So imagine with me that the width of the church building is a timeline, eternity past, eternity future. In eternity past... God was acquainted with Christ coming, knew he was going to come, he was going to die. But in these last times, when Christ came to this earth, some 33 years he lived, let that be represented by the pulpit. He was revealed in the last times, a limited period of time that Christ was here, and then he ascended, he went to heaven, and we have Eternity, future, coming. And that's the idea. Christ. In the past. God was acquainted with that. Before the creation of the world, he was chosen. But in these last times, at this point in time, when he came to this earth some 2,000 years ago, we sing about his birth. Last times. When Jesus was on this earth. And he says, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. And in the context, they'd be talking about Peter's hearers. I don't think it is limited to Peter's hearers. I think it is also, it would include believers today. So Christ in eternity, somewhere in eternity past, God was acquainted with that, but he appeared for your sake, Peter's hearers, for us today. And then he goes on, through him, through Christ, through the lamb. through him, you believe in God. Now believe, faith is used quite often in First Peter. We're talking about a firm persuasion, a conviction. Peter's hearers were firmly convinced that Jesus was the Christ. He came from the dead. He died on the cross and so on. There was a firm conviction, a firm persuasion. He says, through him you believe in God. There was a resting on Christ as revealed in the four gospels. Who he was and his identity, his character, his being, his work, his resurrection. They believe in God. It's not a hope so. Well, I hope this is true. They're believing something. They're convinced of something that has been revealed. Christ was revealed in time. Their belief in God through Christ was confirmed through the bodily resurrection of Christ. Christ raised or God raised Christ from the dead. As is stated later on in that verse. And their faith was evident through their obedience to Jesus Christ. A strong, firm belief on the part of these saints. Through Christ, you believe in God who raised him from the dead. And glorified him. As we think about Christ being glorified, let's go back to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, we find that Christ takes Peter, James, and John with him up into the mountain, and they're alone. Begin reading with verse two, Mark nine and verse two. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up in or up a mount, high mountain, where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them; his clothing became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who was talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? For it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, they looked around and they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. What do we find here in Mark chapter 9? Just a little window of Christ in his glory. Before he came to this earth, after he ascends to the Father, Let's go to another passage, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. No profound comment when I say verses 9 through 11 come after 5 through eight. In 5 through 8, we find that Jesus was humbled. He took upon himself the nature of God, and he went to the cross. He became obedient to death on the cross. But verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ, Jesus Christ, is Lord, to the glory of the Father. We find here the exaltation of Jesus. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Beginning with verse 9. And Keep in mind the book of Revelation. That's the name of it. Revelation. The uncovering, the unveiling of Christ. And just as a sidelight. The book of Revelation is not primarily about future events. The book of Revelation is about the unveiling of Christ. It's a book about Christ. Future events are secondary, but it's the unveiling of Christ. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God. And the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice with a trumpet, which said, or like a trumpet, which said, Write in a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and there among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. John is seeing Christ in all his glory. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. Reading together, beginning with verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dripped in blood, or dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads a winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And saw an angel standing in the sun, who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in the air, or midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you meet flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people re-enslaved, small and great. Again, we have an unveiling. We see Christ being revealed. So when Peter says, through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. The glorified him is talking about what happened. He came from the dead. He ascended to the Father. What <clears throat> Paul describes in Philippians 2, what John describes in Revelation 1, what John describes in Revelation 19. We think of Christ many times and we think of the time period when he was on this earth. He came as a lamb without blemish or defect. But he's not a lamb. He's been raised from the dead. He's in glory. And again, Revelation unveils Christ if you stop with the gospels we really don't know Christ because Peter says God glorified him and that's coming well he's there now but it's going to be unveiled more fully in the future and then back to 1 Peter Peter says and so your faith and hope are in God. He's writing to people who are going through persecution, who are going through difficulty, not by the government, but by other people, the people they rub shoulders with in daily life. And he's encouraging them, be faithful, because you believe in God. God raised him from the dead. He glorified him. Your faith and your hope are in God and who is God the one who shields believers by his power the one who is holy the one who judges each man's work impartially the one who raised Christ from the dead the one who glorifies the father the one who elected believers along with other items that aren't listed on the powerpoint So my question, why would the pastor I described earlier in India be willing to be persecuted? Because he knew his Savior was chosen before the creation of the world. What was revealed when Christ was on this earth? And it's through Christ that he believed in God who raised Christ from the dead and glorified him. A grasp of Christ and who he is makes a difference in how we live and how we respond. Most of us will not go through what the pastor in India did. We won't face that in our lifetime but some of us will face what I'm describing of one individual in our community who's been through multiple physical trials, the death of various family members, rejection from family at times just because of faith in Christ. But yet that individual guards their mind and seeks to feed it well Guarding what they feed their mind through TV and internet and phone and so on. Takes time for people. Rejoices in trials. Has a deep concern for the unsaved. Just desires to be faithful and worshiping with other believers. And there have been many a times in life where the individual says, I can't. I can't. It's only because of your grace, God, that I can respond. And that individual Who is present this morning. Remains faithful. Because. They know the lamb. Without blemish. Without defect. Who was chosen before the creation of the world. But revealed in these last times. For our sake. And it's through him. That this person believes in God who raised Christ from the dead and glorified Him. The one whose birth we celebrate makes a difference in how we live and respond. My question, does your daily life display a faith in God Who raised Christ from the dead. And glorified him. Have you come to faith in him? Does it show in your life? Let's pray together. Father we are so very very grateful. That we can call you father. We can have a relationship with you. In light of the fact that Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, revealed when he was on this earth, and it's through Christ we can believe in you, Father, because you raised Christ from the dead and glorified him. We want that to be evident in our life, in our jobs, with our families, moment by moment. We live with a deep, deep, reverent fear for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.